Welcome to the High Performer Blueprint Podcast, where busy professionals learn the habits to become a high performer and live the healthy lifestyle they dream about. I'm your host, Leah Bola. Let's go. Today, we are joined by Jennifer Shum, owner of Fit by Jenny. Jennifer, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. I am glad to have you on. It's going to be a great episode. So I just really want to first off start off by please introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, my name is Jennifer Shum. I'm the business owner of Fit by Jenny. Um, I'm 46. Um, I'm a Colorado native. Um, grew up here and love it here. Um, I didn't get into cycling until I was 31. So um, I started my business in college. I went to CU. I have two degrees, biology and kinesiology. And I started my business, my personal training business while I was in college. I was teaching Tybo part-time and he had a gym there. So I ran my business out of his gym. And um, my fourth year in college, uh, I was, like I said, I was a um, biology major. I took a class called exercise physiology, fell in love with that because that was already what I was doing with my business and decided to add on kinesiology as a second major. And I finished a fifth year to get those two degrees. And because I loved what I was already doing, I just decided to keep personal training and keep doing my own business. And here we are, um, 27 some years later, <laughs> So oh, that's awesome. yeah, in my twenties, I was a gym rat. I was a runner, a competitive runner. I taught Tybo. I taught high impact aerobics. And then when I was 26, I hurt my back. Um, I bulged my L4, L5 and that ended my impact. So I couldn't run anymore. Couldn't teach Tybo high impact aerobics. Um, I couldn't do any impact at all. And that's when I had to figure out, I was, um, competing in figure. So I did my my first uh, figure competition, I won the whole show. I won Miss Colorado in my very first show. And I was doing a lot of cardio, obviously, because I was competing. And I went on to compete nationally for two years. Um, and I was kind of getting bored of living on a stair climber. So I started taking spin classes. And my clients were like, you know, you're really good at this spin class thing. Why don't you try riding a bike outside? So I was like, hmm, that's a good idea. So I literally just went and bought a bike and started riding outside. Um, and that summer, I just fell in love with, with cycling. So I was like climbing all these mountain passes, doing all these like 100-mile um, rides in the mountains with my friends. But I was also, you know, competing. So I was like not eating any carbs, doing these like, you know, big-ass rides and on no carbs. And so I was super, super slow um, and I decided, you know, I'm just going to finish competing. Um, USA's was like my last show, which isn't until August in Vegas. I'm like, I'm just going to finish, you know, finish these shows that I've trained for 20 weeks for. Um, and then I'm going to be done with competing because I really fell in love with, with riding in the mountains. And, um, I did that and, um, finished my shows and, uh, just really went full force with riding and the next summer, um, one of the trainers that I worked with, um, was, was, uh, basically gave me a really good idea. He knew that I liked climbing, knew that I loved riding in the mountains. And he's like, why don't you just go do the Mount Evans hill climb? <laughs> the Mount Evans in Colorado is the, is a 14,000 foot. It's the only paved 14,000 foot mountain. So, uh, 
thought that's a great idea. I'll just go mm. choose Mount Evans to race up to 14,000 feet as my first race, which I did. I did. Yeah, I did really well in it. And, <laughs> um, I decided I was going to the next season, just race full time, which is, um, you're basically racing every Saturday and Sunday, um, every weekend for four to five months. Like that's what you're doing. <laughs> so I, yeah. So I just went full force with wow. racing and you started, um, now you started a cat five, but back then you started as a cat four and the higher you uh, like the lower you, so cat four, three, two, one. Um, that's what my goal was to get to cat one and cat one is, is pro level. So I just um, went full force with racing and hired coaches and did all these uh, group rides in my area with, I'd be like the only woman with like a hundred (laughs) men. And I just loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. And got to Cat 1 in 2000, that was 2016, I got to Cat 1. And so technically I turned pro in like 2014. Cause I guess when you get to cat two, they consider that pro. So technically I turned pro in 2014, but mm-hmm. I had a goal of getting to cat one, which is like the highest category you can get in racing, which I, um, achieved that in 2016. And yeah, so here I am. <laughs> oh, that is wow. Uh, Starting from spin class and just uh, going from there. And like you said, the first race is taking something on like that. Wow, that's uh, pretty cool. So definitely I've had a lot of clients that, you know, enjoy cycling, you know, as more of a recreational thing. And I know obviously being a professional definitely comes with some dedication and having uh, a routine that really works for you. So mm-hmm. just kind of describe a little bit more about like, what's your cycling routine like? Um, so I have a coach who gives me workouts to do, um, five days a week on the bike. So I, I am riding three days during the week and then on the weekends. Um, and my rides are anywhere from during the week. I only ride about two and a half hours. Um, I pretty much have to ride 45 minutes to an hour South to get to roads that are long enough for me to do intervals without lights and turns and all that kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. and then I do my intervals and come home. Um, so during the week I'm riding about two and a half hours, uh, three days a week. And then on the weekends, um, if it's warm, I'll do longer rides. Um, in the winter, my longer rides might be four and five hours in the summer. My passion is riding in the mountains. So I'll spend every single weekend and I will drive somewhere in the mount in the mountains and, um, ride as many mountain passes as I can and my favorite ones. And then I'm riding about seven hours, um, on Saturday and Sunday in the summertime and fall. So that's my routine, um, as far as cycling. And then, uh, I lift one to two days a week, but I've been lifting since I was 15. So Mm -hmm. I don't really have to do a whole lot to maintain my shape and my strength. In fact, I could just, you know, not even go to the gym and not do any strength training for two months. And I wouldn't, I would go back and do my routine and I'm, exactly where, you know, I haven't lost any strength or anything. So because I have, um, such, um, muscle, um, what's it called maturity, I suppose, as you will, since I've been lifting for over half my life, um, I don't have to do a whole lot to keep, um, my shape and my strength. But, um, typically I lift one to two days a week and I have one day that I'm pretty much doing the whole body, except I don't touch my quads just because my quads get so much work on the bike. Um, and so I focus mm-hmm. on, and 
know, because I have been lifting my whole life, I do like to keep, um, I don't really look like a cyclist. I look more like a bikini competitor. (laughs) So I have, I have like that V taper and I have shoulders and, you know, I have muscles, so I have that shape. So I lift for that to keep that, but I also, um, also do functional work and core work and posterior chain work as well. Um, so I do both. Um, I have a, d- a different routine for each of those. One day I'll do the whole body except for my quads, like lifting. And then the second day I'll just do all functional stuff. And it's all um, exercises that either I've created or um, I've worked with my PT on and then created more uh, harder ones from there. And I've got a bunch of videos on YouTube um, of me doing some of um, the pretty specific um, functional work, mobility work, core work that I use, um, for cycling and just to be, just to be really strong and really flexible and really mobile. I also should mention, mention that I did ballet for 10 years growing up. I was on point for seven years. So I've maintained my flexibility, like part of my stretching routine. I do all the splits. And, um, so I have that background as well. Oh, nice. That's, uh, Awesome. Definitely starting with uh, having that foundation like mm-hmm. you have and uh, really helps. And I know that's pretty intense. Seven hours. It's like putting in uh, definitely a shift in what you're doing within your routine. So uh, that's pretty Thank cool. Thank you. You know, one thing uh, when talking to you, Jennifer, I know you mentioned, you know, as far as some of the things that you work in with your clients. And one thing that came up was you talked about uh, upper cross syndrome. And I was like, you know what? I think this is a thing that many people don't know mm-hmm. about. So I would think it'd be cool for you to explain it a little bit. Sure. So what is upper cross syndrome? Okay. So there's actually upper and lower cross syndrome. So upper is the upper body, lower is the lower body. Um, so it's basically um, a series of symptoms that creates a syndrome or a condition that someone, someone's physical body um, gets when you're sitting for long periods of time, either at a desk or in a car, on an airplane, or on a bike. So when you sit for long periods of time, over time, your shoulders become rounded forward, your chest becomes concave, your um, you lose the, 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 you get a severe curve in your cervical neck. So you're, you know, if you can think of on a bike, you know, their shoulders are forward, they're crunched down into this um, really aerodynamic seated position, but they're looking up. So they're really putting a lot of pressure on that cervical spine and creating a sharp curve. And so all of that, um, over time, your, the front of your body, your anterior body, um, gets really short because you're in this shortened position. So the muscles get shortened and then it creates, um, a breathing issue where you can't, like you're cutting off, I shouldn't say cutting off, but that's kind of severe, but you're restricting the airflow um, in your trachea. And so um, you'll see a lot of pro cyclists, um, like if they look up, then they lose their airflow. So they're like a lot of times just looking down at their power meter and that's just to keep that airway open. Um, So you get a restricted airflow. um, And then as far as the the lower body cross syndrome, um, that's also just what happens to your pelvis and again, the front of your body. So um, you're, you end up getting um, losing core strength and, um, and spinal stabilizer strength in your pelvis just from sitting down. 
And the front, if you can imagine like your quads and your quad attachments and your pelvis, that all gets shortened because you're in this like tiny little seating position. Um, and then the back of your body, so your posterior chain from the upper body to the lower body, that's being stretched out because the front of your body is rounded and then your lower body is also rounded and kind of crunched in. So the posterior chain ends up getting stretched out and becomes weakened from being in that um, severe stretch position for such a long time. So hamstrings, glutes, and your entire back just get turned off wow. and very weak. Yeah. So if you can imagine like the front of your body, the muscles get shortened and then they just, they just don't move. You lose mobility in all of your joints, you lose flexibility, and then you restrict the airway. And then the, the posterior side of your body becomes stretched out and then it just turns off and becomes weak and doesn't even work. So you want to, to fix upper and lower cross syndrome, you want to stretch the front of your body, um, you know, your shoulder, your, your shoulder joints, your chest. Um, I like to lay backwards over a ball to kind of open up um, the front line of your body. And I have some pretty specific stretches that are kind of hard to describe um, like in a podcast, but I do have um, videos on them on, on YouTube, but I also have specific stretches for the quads and um, the quad attachments and psoas and iliopsoas, so your pelvis, your core muscles. So you basically want to, you know, unwind your the front of your body from being in that hunched over seated position. You want to open all that up, which so you're going to do specific stretches to open the front of your body. And then the posterior side of your body, you want to strengthen. So I'm very, very um, specific with all of my, I mean, pretty much most of the population, most of the world has some level of upper and lower cross syndrome, just because of how much time we spend sitting down. It's just that cyclists, mm -hmm. cyclists tend to have it worse because they spend that much more time, right? Sitting down in a very right. fixed position on the bike. Um, but pretty much every person on the planet has a weak posterior chain just from sitting, right? Your, your butt gets turned off. It's stretched out. Same thing with your hamstrings, same thing with your back. So, um, I work, um, very aggressively on strengthening the posterior chain and then obviously increasing flexibility and mobility, uh, in the, the anterior body. I know with many of us now having sedentary jobs, mm -hmm. It's very common, like you said, very uh, long periods of sitting down. And of course, with us having uh, longer commutes with traffic, right? We're in that fixed position yep. uh, when we're driving as well. So uh, definitely understand uh, that part of it and why that is something that we really do need to work on. So I know you have very expansive uh, training, you know, career of what you've done and you've worked with a lot of different clients and doing different um, you know, programming. I know now you specialize a little bit more working with certain type of clients. So how do you program your clients training programs? Um, I mean, it depends on what type of client I have, like currently, because I do most of my clients are in person. Um, I have clients, I have three 74 year old clients right now. I have a pro baseball player. I've got everybody in between. It really depends on the person and who I'm training because everybody is obviously very different and have their own unique issues and lifestyle and genetics and nutrition. But, um, from, from a general standpoint, I work holistically with my clients on their training. So, um, 
obviously I'm very big on posture chain and core and anterior Mm -hmm. mobility and flexibility, um, general strength hit. Um, I have some pretty unique pieces of equipment, um, at my gym. So I have something called a tidal tank. You can, you can look it up. It's, uh, this thing that holds water and I, one of I've got 20 pounds of water and 30 pounds of water and you can do a whole body workout with it, but because you have to balance the water with like, say you're doing a clean and press, a clean to squat to press, mm-hmm. you have to balance the water. So it's really, really hard. Um, so I've got pieces like that. I've got um, blow up discs that I have people stand on. So I work a lot with mobility and balance because pretty much, you know, most of your older population, that's what they lose first. And what's their biggest fear that they're going to fall on the ice and break their hip, right? So, um, right. I, you know, obviously with my older population, um, I spend more time, um, using these unique pieces of equipment that I have. I also have a, a revolution balance board. It's a rev balance. It's pretty popular. That's, um, a balance board that you stand on. You can also do, um, put your hands on it and I do a bunch of core stuff with it too. So, um, I work that in, um, with, with strength and hit and core and posture chain. And so I kind of do everything, but I also add the, you, the unique components, um, that I just mentioned to my programming. Um, and then I also work with my clients daily on their nutrition. So every night my clients are sending me either a screenshot of the app that they're using to track their food, or they just send me a text of what they ate that day. And I am writing them back every night, giving them feedback, this helps them stay accountable to what they're eating and it helps me teach them. And then I mm-hmm. can, you know, the feedback that I'm giving them on a daily basis, it helps them learn. Um, and it also gives them um, corrections that they can make immediately the next day. So it speeds up results. So they're getting results, but I'm also teaching them at the same time. So that works really well. And of course I work with them on, on sleep and mindset and um, hydration so I really cover um, my clients training holistically. I like that. And I'm very similar to that because if you're only focusing on one part, of course, there are going to be other areas that they're struggling on. They really need to have that, you know, worked on within what they're doing within the programming. So I know there's many things that people miss within, like you're mentioning, of course, the holistic approach or really hitting it from that whole approach within what they need to do. So what are common blind spots you help identify with your clients? I guess I would consider um, core work a blind spot as well as glutes and working all that into a stabilization and balance kind of training because I don't see a lot of other trainers doing that. And if I ever... If I ever Mm -hmm. train somebody else's client, like I recently um, acquired this trainer's client because she decided she doesn't, she wasn't going to work in the afternoon and evenings anymore. And I know she had worked with him for many years and, and he's like a pro volleyball player. I was expecting, you know, some of the basic stuff that I think is basic that I do with people kind of on the front end, especially if they're in shape, you know, he'd never done before. And I was like, how have Mm -hmm. you never done this? Like, anyway, so, um, <laughs> I, I think the way that I advance people in their training is, is a blind spot because obviously other trainers are not doing what I'm doing. Um, and so, and I don't think that the, the client knows about that either. Um, so that would be a blind spot as well as sleep quality is also a blind spot. 
people don't understand like how to get more deep sleep. And so I teach them about that because I have a bunch of um, tools that I, I teach my clients on how to get more deep sleep because that is ultimately how they're going to recover, mm-hmm. how they're going to feel, how they're going to age, etc. cetera. Um, another blind spot would also be um, nutrition. So I teach my clients to eat for your activity level, meaning if they are not doing a workout that day, then they eat, need to eat differently than if they are doing a workout. And if they are doing a workout, if they're doing something that's kind of easy, um, maybe a little bit beyond eat, like a little bit harder than easy, that's probably going to be fat burning and mm-hmm. you probably don't need to eat carbs for that. However, if you're doing a workout that's remotely hard or really hard or, you know, <laughs> keep on going with that, you're going to need to eat carbs for that. So I teach my clients to look at their, their day. What kind of, you know, activity are they doing? Are they doing something easy? Okay. That's going to be fat burning. So you don't really need to eat carbs for that. But if they're doing something remotely hard, um, that's going to involve eating carbs. And then I teach them exactly what kind of carb, the quality and the amount and what time to eat it before the workout, as well as the quality of the carb, what kind of carb and the amount to eat immediately after. And those are two extremely different carbs. So that's also something that nobody else, you know, I don't see other trainers doing. I don't think they even really necessarily know about that. Um, and so that's also a blind spot because my clients of course don't know that. I like that. I like that you're identifying, uh, you know, certain things, like you said, I think as a coach, you of course have your, personalized coaching that you like to work into with your clients and you can kind of identify those certain things that you know they may be missing of course like you said they're coming to you for your expertise and to get their goals so it's really great to be able to identify the things that they may be missing within what they're doing and really like the sleep part I think that's one of the biggest things I see not talked about enough often and you're right there's no better way that's going to really help you recover and really get you to, you know, operate at the levels you should with getting that proper sleep in within what they're doing. So how has your like nutrition, you know, views changed during your coaching career? Because I know, of course, like you said, you've been coaching a very long time. I know there's always constant, you know, debates going on within Mm -hmm. uh, nutrition. So has your views kind of changed on nutrition during your coaching? Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I was also going to add to that last question. Um, and this will go into answering this current question is inflammation. So um, most of none of my clients know what are the two root causes of inflammation. And so I tell them what those are and they eliminate those two specific things, which are um, pretty high. I mean, they're pretty common. And, and when you eliminate, and I'll just get, tell you what it is, gluten and dairy, when you eliminate gluten and dairy from your diet, you're all of a sudden getting rid of the inflammation in your body. So those two things cause a lot of inflammation. Um, And so I have all my clients um, cut out gluten and cut out dairy. And as soon as they do that and they get rid of all the inflammation in their body, their body, they feel a million times better. Um, So that's one um, inflammation is something that I, you know, recently probably started learning about in the last decade. Um, probably because of cycling and racing, um, the more that, you know, the higher I got up as far as racing pro and the more that I demanded my body to be a high performance machine, 
I was learning, okay, if you want your body to perform like a Ferrari, you cannot put the shit gas in it. You have to put the high octane gas in it. And so if your body's inflamed all the time, Mm -hmm. um, because you're not fueling properly, then you're not going to perform like a Ferrari. So that's something that I have adopted myself. And it's something I also teach my clients because they, you know, are not necessarily expecting to their, their physical body, you know, to go out and do a race, but they may own a bunch of companies. They need their mind to perform like a high performance car. They might have, you know, lots of kids and they might have this, you know, whatever it is, some part of their body has to perform at a high level. And so eliminating foods that cause inflammation from your nutrition is the quickest way to do that on top of what I mentioned before, fueling for what type of activity you're doing that day. So um, to answer your question, um, yes, my nutrition has changed. Um, What I know now, I did not know a decade ago ago, or two decades ago. I mean, shoot, in my 20s, I didn't do any core work. Nobody knew about core back then. I wasn't foam rolling. I wasn't doing any of this recovery (laughs) stuff. I wasn't doing mobility. Um, So as, you know, as um, you know, things have progressed and we've learned more about things. Um, I w I would say that that's probably the biggest, um, for work, uh, glutes. I mean, 10 years ago, nobody was doing hip thrusts, right. Or maybe, maybe they were, but I mean, they were, yeah. Cor- yeah, very early. Yeah, not no, many, no. not the masses I mean, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and certainly not 20 years ago. And, um, so I, as we've learned more, we've adopted like, okay, we've got all this glute work, specific glute work we need to be doing, specific core work, specific mobility work, specific flexibility work. Um, and that that's looking at the outside of the body. And then if you look at the body on a cellular level, we're trying to um, function optimally. Well, the way to do that is through hydration, very specific nutrition, and not putting inflammation in your body. And another part of that is alcohol. Um, alcohol obviously halts all recovery. So like mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do after a workout is, is drink some alcohol. Right. I, I think that's important. As you mentioned is I think you have to adapt, like you said, as time goes on and you're right, there's a lot of different information that has come out and there's a lot of different things. And I think the best thing is just like you said, you can kind of learn from yourself and work with clients. You kind of figure out, you know, things mm-hmm. that are, working the right way and you can kind of apply different things to that. So um, I definitely believe in uh, growing and, you know, learning to new information and being open to it as well. Of course, uh, not being closed minded is really important if you really want to be able to help more people, of course. So uh, I really like that about that. So Jennifer, I really appreciate you sharing so much within this episode. I know our audience is going to get a lot out of it. However, I know, Many people still struggle with getting going, right? Those here are some good information and still, for some reason, they feel like they can't do it or the time's not right. So what's the thing you would tell to someone struggling with taking action on their journey? That's that's a really good question. And I feel like it depends on the type of person. Consistency. You have to be consistent and you've got to schedule it in your day. If you don't schedule the workout, like something um, like an important meeting with your boss or um, a doctor's appointment, or, you know, it has to be a priority. 
um, you have to schedule it. If you don't schedule it, there's probably going to be a million things that come up that you will do instead of working out. So it's got to be a priority and it has to be scheduled. And when you schedule it, you absolutely do not schedule over it. Like do not, right. That's number one. Um, and be consistent with that. Um, the body needs consistency. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to make any changes if you're not consistent. Uh, consistency is king. Another one that I just thought of, and it's because of a conversation I had with um, a new client that I had tonight, but people are afraid to eat carbs and you have to understand what the role of carbs are and it's to provide energy. So your muscles are going to use glycogen, right? And I think a lot of people are afraid to eat carbs and when they do eat carbs, they eat them at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. Um, and or they're afraid to eat too many carbs. And I know that's something that I have also changed with myself. I eat way more carbs than I ever used to. And it's because my workouts are so hard that I have to eat a ton of carbs because that is exactly what my body is using. Mm -hmm. I'm not burn. I mean, I might be burning a little bit of fat, a little bit of fat in my lower zones, but the meat of my workout is, you know, over the anaerobic threshold. So it's only going to use carbs. And if I don't ha- eat enough carbs and fill up those glycogen stores um, and have enough glucose in my blood, I'm not going to be able to do my workout. Right. And so that's something that I think a lot of people like don't realize that if you want to get lean, getting lean <laughs> requires working really hard in your workouts. And you can't work really hard in your workouts if you don't feel for them. And you have to eat carbs because those workouts are only going to use carbs. So getting lean is not necessarily about, you know, restricting carbs and doing um, keto and doing um, fasting, intermittent fasting and all of that. It's really about putting the carbs in that you need so that you can work out hard and then you can recover hard. Um, Your body also is the carbs are going to dictate your recovery. So if you don't eat enough carbs post-workout. And I mean, immediately post-workout, your body is not going to recover. That window is going to shut down. The body is going to catabolize the muscle to replenish the glycogen you used. And you just burn your muscle away, right? And you're going to put on body fat for that. Um, So you got to eat a lot of carbs to get a really hard workout. And then you got to eat carbs after the workout Mm -hmm. so that you can recover. And that is how you get lean. Also, the harder you work out, um, the higher you're going to end up raising your anaerobic threshold, especially if you're, you know, doing different, different intervals and different zones and, and always changing that, not just doing set stuff all the time. You have to keep it the variety to keep pushing that anaerobic threshold up. But that's kind of the, um, the point of, of training is to raise that anaerobic threshold, which you need high interval training for, which you need carbs for. But the higher you get the anaerobic threshold, the longer and harder you can work out below your anaerobic threshold and still be burning a combination of fat. So if you take the the pro, let's say the the pro cyclists that are in the Tour de France, so that's the highest, that's the highest level of racing, right? Those guys are like what three percent body fat. I mean, they're ridiculously lean, and they're ridiculously Mm -hmm. lean because their body is so efficient at burning fat and their body is so efficient at burning carbs. Yes. They, they, you know, they may weigh their food. They know exactly how many carbs and how many minutes for how many hours they need to have 
before the race, during the race, after the race, all their meals, they know exactly that, right? But their body is so efficient at it because they've trained their body to have this crazy high anaerobic threshold and crazy high VO2 max. And, and I mean, they've, they've mastered how their body is, is using all of the fuel and look how lean they get, right? That's, that's really how you do it. Right. Yeah. I think there's the point that you mentioned is really just comes down to consistency and prioritizing it. Right. So it's very hard to feel like you can get started if you're feeling overwhelmed and feeling overwhelmed if you're not making that time for yourself. So definitely agree with you on that, Jennifer. So really appreciate you coming on here today. Where can our audience get connected with you at? Um, my, my website is www.fitbyjenny.com. Um, my Instagram is fitbyjennyllc. My Facebook um, and Twitter is fitbyjennyllc. And my YouTube is fitbyjennyllc. All you got to do is search Fit by Jenny. You'll get connected yep. to Jennifer. Yeah. And you yes. will be on to some amazing information. Once again, Jennifer, appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was really a fun experience. I enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week. To view the complete show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode, head over to ltaperformance365.com slash high performer. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you love this podcast, feel free to leave a review. And if you're ready to create your own high performer blueprint, be sure to head over to ltaperformance365.com and we'll talk soon.